Good morning. Maybe you know this one. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. And then the kids do right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, chin up, turn around, sit down. How many of you sang that growing up? I definitely did in my church. How many of you have never heard of that one? All right, a lot of hands in the room. You've never even heard that one. It's a fun one, and there's really good news in that song. In fact, when I was singing it growing up, I had no idea how good that news was. We're going to see that news in the Word today. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Galatians and chapter 3. Today we'll be looking at verses 6 through 9 in our sermon series called Sola Fide, the classic uh, hundreds of years old Christian phrase for faith alone. How are we made right with God through faith alone. Why do we have good news? How can we be blessed along with Abraham, the father of the faith? How can the Osers go bring the good news of Jesus to George, South Africa? How can we bring the good news to Montgomery County, Pennsylvania? Well, the reason is God has a plan for people from every tribe, nation, and tongue to become sons of Abraham and daughters of Abraham. And that's really, really good news. As I open our time in the Word with a brief prayer, I want to start out our time in prayer thinking this. You know, we're sending the Osers, we're helping send the Osers to George, South Africa. Uh, But if you have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're born again, if you've repented of your sins and turned to Him, if He's opened your heart for the gift of salvation, then at some point in world history, God got the gospel to your heart. Someone went on a mission trip to you by the grace of God. So let's take a minute or two and each individually thank God that God in his perfect timing got the gospel to your ears. And after a minute or two, I'll pray for our time in the word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we stand before you now. We sit in our seats, but our hearts stand before you. And we are so grateful that the gospel was preached to us. That you saw us lost in our sins and you sent someone to give us a Bible so that we might see your good news. Or you sent someone to preach the gospel to us, to explain the good news of Jesus Christ to us. And at the hearing of that word, you opened our hearts for salvation. You gave us the gift of faith in Jesus Christ. And now you've redeemed us from our lives enslaved to sin. You've given us freedom in your family. 
And then you send us to proclaim that good news to the world, whether it's Africa or Montgomery County or every other place you lovingly created. Thank you, Lord, that the good news of your gospel has made it to our ears. You're so patient. You're so glorious. You're so beautiful. And your word brings life. And so as we open your word now in Galatians 3, give us eyes to see your glory. Give us ears to hear from you. And give us hearts to receive your words with joy and obedience for our good and your glory. In Christ's name we thank you and pray. Amen. Well, Galatians chapter 3, I'll be reading verses 6 through 9 this morning. How can we be blessed along with Father Abraham? We're going to find out this morning. Galatians 3 and beginning in verse 6. This is God's good and glorious word. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness... Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Paul ends this paragraph with that phrase, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. That's what I titled the sermon today, blessed along with Abraham. That means that the debate going on in the Galatian church, this young, growing Christian church, they were having a debate, and Paul was writing a letter to them to address this debate. Their debate was, who is blessed? Who gets the blessings of God? Who's in? Who's part of God's family? Are we all blessed, or are there VIP people in the church? Are we all blessed, or do we have to do certain things to become blessed? Who gets blessed? And the question for us today in our hearts would be, are we in the family that is blessed? If so, how does that happen? How might you and I be blessed, as Paul says, along with Abraham, the man of faith? So this blessing question is something we'll get to in a moment. Before we get there, we need to remember our context. We're spending six weeks going through Galatians 3. And the main point of Galatians 3 is that sinners are justified with the Holy God, by faith alone. Sola fide. It's the faith that gets you right with God, not the works of the law. Becoming Jewish or obeying God's law. It's the faith. And the works are the outpouring, the fruit and evidence of that faith. But what gets you right with God? And the Galatians were really struggling with that question. Paul seems to address it in every chapter of Galatians. You're getting it wrong. You're confusing the faith piece and the works piece. Last week in verses 1 through 5, Paul makes a biographical argument for his Galatian readers. He says, Galatians, did you receive the Holy Spirit by faith or by works of the law? 
When you were first saved and you had the new birth and you had the abundant life and the fruit of the Spirit was growing in you, was that by faith or was it by works? And the false teachers in the days of the Galatians were called Judaizers. The Judaizers went around much later after the Galatians heard the good news, after they had the fruit of the Spirit in their life, the Holy Spirit among them, miracles being worked in their church. After that, the Judaizers came along and said, hey, your faith is fine and all, but you need to add the works of the law, the Jewish works of the law, or you're not right with God. But Paul's using that biographical argument. Galatians, you had all the evidence of faith in your life way before the Judaizers came by. So don't you remember your biography spiritually? So the Galatians had evidence of their salvation. That was the biographical argument. Well, now we move on in verses 6 through 9 to the historical argument. Paul is going to lift the scene from the first century in the region of Galatia, and he's going to go all the way back to Father Abraham, and he's going to ask them the question, was it faith or works for you, Galatians, but was it faith or works for Father Abraham, the father of the faith? And he's going to use this as his historical argument that salvation is by faith, not works. And so Paul's going right at the heart of the Judaizers' arguments. He targets their heroes. Moses was one of their heroes. Moses brought the law down from Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, and the rest of the commandments. But the big guy is Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. If you're raised as a Jew in the first century, you knew your tribe. You knew your ancestry. You knew what tribe you were from, and that was very important to your family get-togethers. Oh yeah, we're the tribe of Benjamin. Let's tell the stories of the tribe of Benjamin. Who did you meet and play with in the, uh, the, the town square today? Who are you buying goods from? Oh yeah, they're from the tribe of Benjamin too. And they would relate this way. Uh, Jacob had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Jacob, or the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob's father was Isaac, and then Isaac's father was Abraham. And Abraham, every Jew, whether they talked about their tribe or not, traced their lineage all the way back to Father Abraham. Abraham had a father too, Terah, but Abraham was the father of God's people, and we see that in Genesis 12. You don't have to turn there. But in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, here's the original promise made to Abraham. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, before his name was changed, go from your country, so he's going to have a new country, and your kindred, so you're going to have a new tribe, and your father's house, so you're going to have a new people, to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. The nation, the people of God is going to come through Abraham. And then the promise says this, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And then he adds this, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's that language of blessing. Who gets blessed along with Abraham? That was the original promise. The blessing, the blessing, the blessing. Blessing to all the earth through Abraham. Blessing to Pennsylvanians. Blessing to South Africans that the Osers will be sharing the gospel to. Blessing to Australians. Blessing to Guatemalans. What does it say? And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But Paul's opponents that he's writing against in Galatia, the Judaizers, they would have said something like this. They would have said, well, we're blessed because we're 
biologically related to Abraham. We're blessed because of our bloodline. We're blessed just because we're descendants of Abraham. And they would have said to the new believers, especially the Gentile converts, you're not really blessed yet. You don't have the blessings. You've got faith, but you need the works of the law to become sons of Abraham. To put it most simply, they would have said, you Gentiles, if you want to be blessed, you have to become Jewish. That's what they would have said. So verse 9 is a clear rebuttal of that claim. Look at verse 9 again. We're getting our overview of our passage. Verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed, there's that promise language from Genesis 12, along with Abraham. And then Paul adds this shocking phrase. Abraham was the man of faith. Was Abraham a man of works or a man of faith? Even Abraham was a man of faith. And that would have stopped the Judaizers in their tracks because their hero, who they said they're blessed because they descend from him, Paul is saying he was right with God. He was blessed by God, not because of his bloodline, but because of his faith. This was a straight attack against the Judaizers. So now we sort of see where Paul is headed in our text, and we're going to ask the blessing question. So let's ask it. Who is blessed by God? Three groups. First, Abraham, the man of faith. So who is blessed? Number one, Abraham, the man of faith. Number two, those of faith. And number three, Gentiles, who believe. Who is blessed? Number one, Abraham. Number two, those of faith. And number three, Gentiles who believe. Let's look at each of them one at a time. First, who is blessed? Abraham, the man of faith. Verse six again. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. When was Abraham made right with God? The moment he believed in God. The moment he trusted God instead of himself. At the moment he placed his faith in God, he was made right with God. It was counted to him as righteousness. And then in verse 9, So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You know, Abraham was not just a man of faith. He is called the man of faith. Uh, Think about how bold this claim was to the Galatian Christians. You know, Abraham, the one these Judaizers are all talking about, you want to know what made him special? His faith was what set him apart for blessings from God. His faith. It would be like when we talk about American history, right? Some of you like history, probably five of you like history. (laughs) I don't meet a lot of history buffs, but who likes history? Okay, all right, a third of the church, all right. All right. Yeah, when we talk about American history, we can talk, talk about Ben Franklin. We can talk about John Adams. Or you could come visit my home neighborhood in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Because when I was 12, I delivered the morning call to my own street, Jefferson Avenue. And then I went up the road and delivered to Madison Avenue. And then I went down the street and delivered to Hamilton Avenue. So I delivered to the Founding Fathers. I did not have Washington Street, which was also one street over. But all famous founding fathers, you can talk about American history and mention all of them, but you can't talk about American history without mentioning George Washington. 
And in the same way, you can't tell the history of Israel without mentioning their founding father, Abraham. So the title Paul gives to Abraham is really important. And Paul says, of all the things you want to think about, when you think about Abraham, he was the man of faith. Paul is saying that the most important thing about Abraham is not his ethnicity, not his bloodline. It wasn't that he eventually obeyed the law. The promise and the righteousness came in Genesis 12, and then serious time goes by before he gets circumcised in Genesis 17 and actually uh, finishes obeying some of those Jewish laws that were going to come into effect. He's circumcised then in Genesis 17 at age 99. So his obedience is costly, but his obedience was evidence of his faith, not what made him right with God. So when did Abraham become righteous in God's eyes? Verse 6 again. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, well before he did the works of the law. Verse 9, one more time. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. So who is blessed? Abraham, the father of the faith. And why is he blessed? Faith. He put his trust in God. Abraham, the man of faith, is blessed. Number two, who else is blessed? Who's going to be blessed along with Abraham? Number two, those of faith. Look at verse seven. Know then that it is those of faith, there's the phrase, who are sons of Abraham. Verse 9 again, So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Well, now Paul is taking the discussion of history and Abraham right to the front of this debate going on in the Galatian church. Are the, the Jews blessed by God just because of their ethnicity, or do they need faith? And are the Gentiles second-class citizens, even though they have faith because they haven't become Jewish yet? That's the debate, and Paul is saying it's about faith. If Abraham was a man of faith, then his people all need to be men of faith, women of faith. If Abraham was made right with God by faith, then his biological descendants, the Jewish people, can only be made right with God the same way Abraham was made right with God, by faith. And if Abraham was made right with God, even Abraham by faith, then certainly the Gentiles, those who are not biological descendants of Abraham, could only possibly be made right with God by faith. Abraham is blessed because of his faith. And if anyone else wants that blessing— You don't get it by bloodline. You don't get it by works. You get it the same way Abraham got it, by faith. We're going to talk about the Gentiles in a minute, but the debate in the Galatian church focused on the Gentiles. Well, yeah, you're not really in. You're not really blessed unless you become ethnically Jewish. But Paul's counterpoint is actually going against these Judaizers who thought they were right with God just because of their ethnicity even though they had no evidence of faith. And Paul wants to push back against that belief. The Judaizers believed that VIP status was theirs because of their ethnicity. And Paul confronts that teaching by showing that even for Abraham, it was always about faith. Abraham was saved by grace through faith. Although he didn't know the name of Jesus Christ, he was placing his trust in God sending a Redeemer to cover his sins. Abraham looked ahead to the eventual Messiah who would save the people from their sins. And we look back on the cross and the death, 
burial and resurrection of Jesus, knowing the name that Abraham didn't, but now he does know the name Jesus Christ. Abraham was saved by faith alone, sola fide. And sometimes we can forget this good news. But sometimes we can forget how God relates to the Jewish people and how he relates to the Gentiles. Let me give you a modern example of this. There's a lot of excitement today among Christians when it comes to Israel and the geographical land of Israel about ethnic Jews today. And uh, I received a while back an invitation to an event where Christians were showing their support for Israel. And I thought, oh, okay, this is great, right? Israel, that's, we show support for Israel. I'm all for it. And uh, in the agenda for the day, there was, we're going to pray for Israel. And I thought, that's great. That's great. And in the agenda, it said, let's, you know, talk about and pray against anti-Semitism. Maybe some of you have seen this in our country. There's a growing rise of anti-Semitism for some reason, a number of reasons. Wow, what, what is wrong? Why do people hate Jewish people more and more as the years go by? And I thought, that's, that's really good. Another thing that was going to happen at this event was uh, celebrating contributions from famous Jewish people to the good of the world. I thought, that's great. I thought, that's great. Another one, this would have been challenging, was pray for the peace of the Middle East. That's going to be really challenging, isn't it? Peace in the Middle East, really challenging, absolutely worth praying for. And I read this invitation, and I was looking at all the different agenda items, and then the invitation quoted this passage, Genesis 12. Why would we get together as Christians to try to be a blessing to Israel, try to be a blessing to God's ethnic people, right? The Israelites. Well, it says, and you, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And here it is. I will bless those who bless you. And I thought, okay, that's why Christians are getting together to pray for Israel, pray for Jewish people. This is all good so far. God is going to bless those who bless his people. And I got to the end of the invitation and I thought, maybe I missed something. I thought maybe I missed something. This is, I think this is really important for us to remember. So I read it again, and, and I thought, I didn't see anything in here about the gospel. I didn't see anything in this about praying that Jewish people would come to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. I didn't see anything in this about praying for the primary way that God brings blessing to his people like Abraham, which is through faith. And I thought to myself, I hope that this event is doing some other things. Maybe they are going to pray that Jewish people would come to place their faith in Jesus Christ because he is the only way you can be made right with God. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Abraham himself was saved by faith. And I thought on this invitation, they really had an opportunity and they missed it to, to say that the main way God is going to bless the people of Israel, even ethnic Jews today, is by making sure that they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't there in the invitation. God says he's going to bless Abraham and the sons and daughters of Abraham. Verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And I think when the Galatians would have passed this letter around and read it, there was a little bit of a sting intended for these Judaizers. 
Yes, Gentiles, you can be blessed by God too, even if you only have faith. You don't have to become Jewish. But Jewish friends, if you are relying on your bloodline to make you right with God, remember that you have to have faith to be right with God. That is how people are justified through Jesus Christ. And as the gospel goes out to all the world and South Africa and everywhere else it goes, there is only one name by which people will be saved, the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, having said all of that, a lot of the uh, Jewish believers in the New Testament wondered, has God forgotten about the Jewish people? Does God still have plans for them? And if you want to peek ahead, you don't have to do it today. But if you read Romans 11, Paul knows the Jewish believers are going to be asking that question. He starts out Romans 11 by saying, has God rejected the Jewish people, the ethnic descendants of Abraham? And he has an emphatic no as an answer. And in verse 5 of Romans 11, he says this, so too at the present time, There is a remnant chosen by grace, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of work. So God's future plan to bring many Jews to Jesus Christ for salvation, it is only going to come by the proclamation of the gospel. So as we pray for Israel and for ethnic Jews, maybe some of you have uh, ethnic Jewish friends or co-workers, one of our main prayers for them needs to be, that God would help them see that he did send their Messiah to die in their place so that, like Abraham, by faith, they could be called children of God and have their sins forgiven. So who is blessed? Number one, Abraham, the man of faith. And number two, those of faith, particularly those who thought they were saved another way, Paul wanted to remind them, you're saved by faith. Well, third and finally, and most briefly, Who is saved and who is blessed? Third is Gentiles who believe. Look at verses 8 and 9. And this is for most of us here. Most of us are Gentiles. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. Well, I, if you didn't know, am a Gentile. Matchet is not a Jewish name. The most famous Matchet doesn't have the last E at the end. It's Charles Matchet, who ran for president in 1896 for the Socialist Party. And I apologize for that. (laughs) Matchets are Gentiles. Most of you are Gentiles. What is the hope for the Matchets? What is the hope for you if you are not an ethnic Jew? What is the hope? Can we enter into God's family by faith, or do we have to become non-Gentiles? Do we have to convert to Judaism? Well, Paul wants us to look back at Abraham's life and see his faith, because the gospel of Jesus Christ wasn't invented 2,000 years ago during the time of Jesus. The gospel about Jesus was preached all the way back even to Abraham. Look at verse 8 again. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, 
saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. That's the gospel. In you, Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. What is the thing about Abraham? It's faith. And that is why people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, past, present, and future can be called the people of God. Because it's faith, the gift of faith that makes people right with God. Abraham heard the gospel preached that day, and he placed his hope in a future Messiah. Our faith remembers the Messiah in all his glory, but it's the same faith, and that is why we are blessed. So who's blessed? Abraham, those of faith, and then Gentiles who place their faith in Jesus Christ. So we have to end with one last question. This is really good news. We're saved by grace through faith, and we're blessed along with Abraham if we have faith. Well, what does it mean to be blessed then? Let's end with that. This is really, really good news. The word blessed there, that in you shall all the nations be blessed, and then in the New Testament in Galatians 3, that you will be blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. What does that mean? The word means eulogia. It's, it's where we get the word eulogy from. It's what you say at a funeral. You're only supposed to say good things about people at their funeral. So why are we blessed? What is God's good word about us? Here are some of the good words about us who've placed our faith in Jesus Christ. We're justified by God through faith. Our sins have been forgiven. We are now friends with Jesus. We are adopted into God's royal family no matter our ethnicity, no matter our history, no matter our backgrounds. Do you believe this? If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're blessed, and that means you're no longer under the curse. Amen? If you have faith in Christ, there is now no condemnation for you anymore. Amen? If you have faith in Christ... Your shame has been taken by Jesus, and you don't need to be ashamed anymore. That's good news. If you have faith in Christ, your ethnicity is not a hindrance to whether or not God loves you. If you have faith in Christ, you have nothing to be truly anxious about. If you have faith in Christ, your past sins, yes, those sins, the ones you're thinking of right now, because I'm talking about past sins, those do not disqualify you from God's love and grace and mercy. If you have faith in Christ, your hope for this coming week is secure in Christ. And if you have faith in Christ, you are part of the past, present, and future people of God from every tribe, nation, and tongue who will sing with the heavenly choir and Abraham will be there too now and forevermore in the new heavens and the new earth singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's blessing. That's a blessed life. It's the free gift of God to everyone, all the way back to Abraham, who has faith in Jesus Christ. And this faith, if you're new to this, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet, you're relying on your own track record, you wonder what we mean by the blessed life. Here's what I mean. If you believe those things, and all those things are true about you, you can be blessed no matter what situation you're in. So let me end with a story of someone whose life is blessed. On July 30th, 1967, almost 55 years ago, and because it's interesting to me as a numbers guy, just over 20,000 days ago, Johnny Erickson Tata dove into a river and became a quadriplegic 
She wrote an article this February called Paralyzed and Blessed. Remember, 20,000 days, a quadriplegic. Here's what she wrote. When pain jerks me awake at night, I first glance up. If the digital display on the ceiling says only the second watch of the night, I push through the pain and try to breathe my way back to sleep. But if the clock says 4 a.m., I smile. Jesus has awakened me to enjoy communion with him, even though it'll be hours before I sit up in my wheelchair. Do I need more sleep? Of course. Will my pain subside? Unlikely. But at four in the morning, there is a more necessary thing. And it makes me happy to think that long before dawn, I am among the early ones who are blessing Jesus, filling my chest with Jesus, rehearsing his scriptures, murmuring his names, and whisper-singing hymns that cascade one into another, all filled with adoration. It's hard to do that when you're wearing an external ventilator. And so I wordlessly plead that he unearth my sin, fill all my cavernous empty places, and show me more of his splendor. He always responds with tenderness. He sees me lying in bed, paralyzed and propped with pillows, encumbered by a lymphatic sleeve, wheezing air tubes, a urine bag, and hospital railings that hold it all together. One of my helpers knows all about these nighttime rendezvous I have with Jesus. And so one night after she tucked me in, she stood over my paralyzed frame with an open Bible. This is you, she said. And then read Psalm 119, 147 to 148. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. And her last paragraph says this. That pretty much describes it. In the morning... When a different helper draws the drapes, unhooks my ventilator, drops the guardrails, removes the lymph sleeve, and pulls out my many pillows, she'll usually ask, sleep well? And she says, quote, not the best, but I am so happy. That's the blessed life. Knowing you've been saved by faith. Knowing that your past sins have been forgiven. Knowing that your current limitations do not limit you from receiving all that God has in store for you. His grace, His mercy, His blessing, His peace, His joy, His hope. She's walking with Him through a life she can't even walk through. She's blessed by faith. So people in the room, friends, have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith in him? The offer is there for people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. The blessing is for all who have faith. Verse 9 again, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So let's thank God that he preached the gospel to Abraham. Let's thank God that he preached the gospel to us. And let's ask God to help us share the good news in South Africa and wherever you go this week so that they might be blessed too for our good and for God's glory.
Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And by faith, I am one of them. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, it's true. We don't have to come from a certain bloodline for you to show your love to us. To be called children of God. To be blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Remind us this week that we are right in your eyes by faith alone. Help us to silence the enemy. Lord, silence the mouth of the tempter when he tempts us to think that we're disqualified from your love or your grace or your mercy because of any category. Help us remember that you sent your Son so that people from every tribe, nation, and tongue could be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And help us pray for opportunities to share that good news this week so that others might be blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. And Jesus, the true man of faith, in his name we pray. Amen. Well, now, as we once a month get to participate in the Lord's Supper together, we get an opportunity to eat